This is the Roaring Elephant Podcast for the 14th of May, 2019. And today, welcome Jon. Oh, is it today? Am I invited to this particular episode? That's great. Yes. It's great to be once, here, Dave. Just once, this is your episode. <laughs> all about Jon. Jon. It's Jon time. Okay. And that's about all the time I have for today. <laughs> <laughs> So it is a news episode. Um, we have lots and lots of interesting things to talk about. And I believe you're going to start with some public service announcements. Uh, yeah, public service announcements. Uh, as we've discussed a couple of episodes ago by now about uh, the things we're trying to set up for the future. Uh, I've been playing around, thinking around with the YouTube presence of the Roaring Elephant. If you've felt some gravitas added to YouTube, that's just because the Roaring Elephant has landed. I don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, at this point in time, we're not doing any videos just yet. Uh, for people that have looked at our Patreon page, you'll see that that's one of our, uh, how do you call that, goals, I think it's called there. Yep. But uh, until then, until we've reached that goal, which we undoubtedly will reach, obviously, I've decided to just start uploading all of the MP3s we have from the, from the regular podcast. So they're all on there now. You have to kind of look for us, uh, but uh, there's a little cover image on every uh, video, but don't expect any moving animated uh, or whatever. It's just the MP3s <laughs> that have been uploaded there, but all 139 episodes by this time, I think. Well, and 140, 140 should be there this, too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm still <laughs> playing around with the automatic scheduling on YouTube, so it's uh, it's a bit of fun. Now, if anybody wants yeah. to know how you can use the Google or YouTube API to do automatic uploads of stuff, send me an email. I'm pretty much of an expert now by now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of fun to do that. Uh, but uh, I do have a, a, a call out for all, to all our listeners because we, we want to get, I, I, I would really much like to get to 100 subscribers there. I mean, it's a modest goal, but it's a goal because at that point we're able to actually claim the URL because at the moment the URL is just kind of a random string and you need to have 100 subscri mm -hmm. subscribers to get that. So uh, we're going live with this thing now and I hope we get 100 subscribers there so we can actually get the nice URL, which means we can actually send people that way. Off course this does link mean, in the show notes uh well links <laughs> in the show notes and if you want to find the links you can just go to roaringelephant.org because uh on the top right there are all the links there as well of the twitter feed of the yeah. youtube and of the patreon there and i was going to say something and you totally derailed me and i totally forgot that. hooray mission complete <sighs> i don't like you anymore Oh, yeah, what Any I want to say is nothing's going to change on the MP3 front. We're going to keep on doing the normal iTunes, Stitcher, yeah. whatever you're using. That's not going away. It's just that I'm from now on also just uploading the MP3s as an MP4 onto the YouTube channel in preparation for uh, future YouTube greatness. Right? Indeed. <laughs> and we, we have had feedback over the years of people saying, oh, you know, I... I I consume stuff through YouTube more than I do like podcasts. Could, could you do it there? And so it, it's, this is just kind of looking to uh, expand our audience in that direction a little bit. Yeah, it took a little bit, a bit of time because, well, you can't just plump MP3s on YouTube. They, they kind of don't want that. They want to have something visual, even if it's just a still image. So it took some mm -hmm. coding hacking on my end to make that a reasonably straightforward workflow that just automates a lot. And uh, that's now in place. Yes, and fabulous work it is too. It's beautiful, isn't it? It is. It's a wonderful <laughs> thing. 
So um, we also got, um, following one of our uh, more recent episodes where we were talking about the transition of the podcast or the evolution of the podcast, uh, we had a great email from uh, Patrick from the Netherlands, um, you know, really just giving us some of his thoughts around uh, some of what we'd said and some of his thoughts about what uh, what he was thinking around the podcast. And it was a, it was really excellent email. Um, yep. We really do appreciate all the feedback we get. Sometimes it's just a quite quick sort of uh, hi, keep doing a great job, and I'll keep listening kind of thing. And we we also appreciate those. But you know, some people put a lot of thought and effort into you mm-hmm. know their thoughts, and you know, it, it just uh, it it really does make a difference. And we really really do appreciate it. So thank you, Patrick. Um, and uh, as long as uh, you keep listening and keep providing us feedback, uh, we'll keep doing it. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. So with that, uh, a bit of news. Uh, yeah, I see I put my first topic on your end, so go ahead. Indeed. So <laughs> Dataworks Summit in DC, uh, May 20th, 23rd. We have free tickets to give away, but it is the final week. So uh, the instructions for getting those tickets you better go and take a look at the tweet verse and uh, check out some of Jon's tweets about the topic. Yeah, all of the official stuff is done on the at Hadoopcast uh, Twitter uh, feed. So there's an email address there. Just send an email to that email address, and you will get. Uh, yeah, you will be entered to the raffle. Um, now we still have tickets available. We have already given some tickets out. We still have a couple of left. So do send them in soonish because the once they're gone, they're gone. Um, we did have a special early bird for our patrons that has uh, ended uh, at the beginning of last week. So now everybody yep. can just send an email, look at the tweet, send an email, and uh, get a free entry to the DataWorks Summit in Washington, D.C., 20th to 23rd of May. Indeed. Um, and yeah. as usual, uh, or as is often the case, um, Jon has produced his uh, DataWorks Summit dashboard. So if you're looking to get a bit of an overview of the uh, of the summit and find out what sessions are uh, are running and who's behind them and whether they're business or technical and all that kind of breakdown, um, then uh, again, go and check our link in the show notes for the uh, data, currently DataWorks Summit 2019 Washington DC dashboard. Yeah, I've also been tweeting about that one. The links to the dashboard are also available there. It's a live uh, Power BI dashboard, so you can actually drill down yourself a little bit and uh, click on things to find the sessions that might interest you. Now, it's the first version, and it's still a couple of weeks away, so at the moment there's 58 sessions available. Uh, This will probably still change in the next couple of weeks, so I'll be trying to update this uh, every couple of days or so. Um, Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, just uh, have a look there. Anything more you want to say about that? Nothing else from me. I think we're on to the next topic. Oh, this is all you. Is, well, yeah. I mean, it's it's actually, it's not all me. It's all the internet. Um, so interestingly, there's been a few things that have popped up very recently. And when I say very recently, I mean, uh, as we record now, uh, between nine hours and 15 hours ago, <laughs> Um, several folks at, uh, I guess I was going to say at MAPAR, but I was, I guess now I need to say previously at MAPAR, um, have put posts up on LinkedIn. So Chris Crawford, um, who was, uh, I guess previously the head of the U S sales team at MAPAR, 
and uh, Mark Rabin, um, previously, yeah, previously Alliance Manager for Mapar, um, both essentially saying that the the US sales team um, and the uh, Alliance and Channel Partners team were eliminated today. Don't quite know what that means. Doesn't <laughs> well, suggest very good things. <laughs> so yeah, suggests that uh, perhaps there's a bit of a shake-up yeah. on the MAPAR side. Uh, we've been trying to dig around a little bit, but we haven't found anything corroborating this. Uh, I mean, MAPAR isn't, a, a, how do you call that, on the stock uh, market, on the stock exchange. So they're, yeah, they're not, not a public, public company, company, so can't find anything there. I took a quick look at their um, careers page and I haven't really seen much change. Not that they're still, the, the, the ones that were there last week are still there this week. And I'm not sure if they're the same ones because I didn't look last week. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> It doesn't seem like MapR is going away, but there does seem to, seem to be a shake-up uh, going on there. So uh, good luck to all the people affected. It's never a fun time. And uh, hopefully no, we get some more, cl- some more clarity about this uh, soonish. Yeah. So, yeah, could be another another fairly large shift uh, about to happen. We shall see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Midfit Hortonworks and Cloudera now merged together as one entity. I guess mm. MapR is the, the challenger in the space now. I, I, I don't know. So. Yeah, I, I don't, yeah, no comment. Uh, maybe Cloudera bought MapR as well. Ooh, <laughs> that's not confirmed. That's just me speculating. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's likely. Uh, no, I don't think so. Either. Anyway, too soon, but uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's news. Moving I guess. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Uh, it's a birthday. Well, it's not a birthday. It's a, well, it is a birthday. I guess uh, it's a, uh, a baby shower. Yeah. Red Hat has announced, uh, released uh, Red Hat Enterprise Linux 8. Hooray! There was much rejoicing. I've actually been looking forward to this one because uh, I'm doing a lot of my home stuff on CentOS. Mm-hmm. And as everybody knows, CentOS is a bit of a, a debranded version of uh, Red Hat Enterprise Linux. And RHEL is already a long-term stable, long-time stable release, which means there's a lot of old crap in there. Well, it's a lot of stable crap. <laughs> I think I think you mean stable, exactly. resilient, reliable, trusted crap. But you really are feeling that uh, the seven, version 7 has reached its age. If you look at uh, programming languages in there, I mean, when I was doing the, the YouTube stuff, the, 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 the converting of the MP3 to MP4 and uh, uploading it to the API, I actually hit a couple of things where the Python scripts I was writing needed Python version 3 and it was still 2.7 yeah. on uh, CentOS 7. Uh, PHP, which I'm using for a couple of stuff, so, in, including the, the WordPress site or homepage, it would really like a version of PHP that's still officially supported today. That would work. Yeah. <laughs> so it is getting kind of annoying. So I'm kind of very happy to see uh, Linux 8 being released. CentOS usually takes a couple of months to, to do all of the refactoring and things they need to do to make their release. So that's going to be after the summer probably. But uh, we're looking forward to it. Now, that being said, I've been going through the press releases. They don't have that much uh, details on what's going to be in the, um, what you call it, um, distribution, what's going to be changing. But I didn't see any major shifts, a lot of evolutionary changes. Um, but no, like last time they went from, um, they changed the whole, what you call that, um, 
the, the run scripts, they went from init script to system D, which was a big change, of course, and a lot mm-hmm. of things have to uh, change at that point. Um, they did change the IP. IP tables are going to be changed to something else. I forgot what they're going to be changing with. And uh, I guess the biggest change, although it doesn't really matter here, because I was going to say uh, Xorg is being replaced by Wayland, which is a big change on desktop, but I'm guessing most of Red Hat Enterprise Linux systems never see a, a graphical interface. <laughs> you would you would hope that was the case. You would certainly um, hope that was the case. I guess for that, it doesn't really make that big of a difference. Although, that being said, it does mean that if you want to have a, a graphical in, in front end, it's going to be a bit heavier because... As far as I understand, Wayland is a little bit more heavy, a little bit, a little bit more, as you call that, robust than the old Xorg, which could be very much pared down to the bare essentials. Mm. I mean, yes, I think that is generally true. But then we're, we're talking about a difference of, you know, megabytes here on systems that are typically built for... Um, significantly larger workload so uh, i think that's absolutely true and there's you know you can squeeze every bit of efficiency out of lots of different things yeah i (laughs) don't know how much real difference it makes the thing that that uh, i think we thought was interesting is the one of the things you mentioned about oh you know not having later later versions of this or libraries for that Mm -hmm. or whatever it might be of course that's one of the advantages of of going actually with red hat enterprise linux versus uh something else is that you know there are additional channels that you can purchase subscriptions to that give you access to those things that you can bolt on natively supported to your uh red hat enterprise linux uh, subscriptions or at least certainly there were back in the day when uh, when i was involved in it but uh, yeah it's still the case you can still have uh they have a name for that uh they're not the roles but uh containers or something or well they have they have in like pods you can add to it but mm-hmm. uh on the central side part of course you still have apple who's out there it gives you a lot of yeah. the extra stuff yeah. there as well and of course also one thing that's a bit of a fud thing that's floating around sometimes when people say yeah but red hat it's old it's no longer supported and i guess i did the same thing i just said i was running a, a python did. version that was not supported anymore <laughs> php which actually isn't true because what Red Hat and CentOS by affiliation do is they actually backport a lot of stuff. So any kind of security fixes that are brought out for more recent versions that are being supported by the, um, how do you call that, the, the organization, the project behind it, they backport yep. into the old versions where it makes sense. Uh, it does mean that sometimes the things don't really work as fluently as nicely as they could because there's a bit of hackery going on there but uh, obviously red hat enterprise linux 7 is still fully supported by red hat and uh, yeah they make sure that it stays secure and stuff like that so yep uh, i have no uh, worries running my little server on uh, centos 7 uh, today i think i'm it's centos 7.6 obviously latest version mm-hmm. and i'm pretty secure in the knowledge that that's still safe and good Indeed. But things move on, and Linux 8, Red Hat Linux 8, is now a thing that exists. They actually made a nice little uh, launch video, which uh, in one of the comments uh, that I read was uh, said, somebody said, uh, it's a nice promo video, and it didn't say the word Linux once. (laughs) 
<laughs> Although I, I I can't uh, I can't let this this particular topic go oh. without mentioning the fact that the the logo. I, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not on board. I'm not man. a fan. Bring back Shadow Man. But you know, that's just my personal the, view. Move it to times, baby. Move it to times. I mean, you're you're old and grumpy. I know. Get off my lawn and stuff this like that. True. But the world Very changes. So. The world changes. Things need to be simplified. That's just how it works. And hey, okay. I'm pretty sure that one advertising urgent agency earned. At least a, a million dollars to do this. Change. Uh, no, no, it was uh, it was all done through an open source project. But anyway, that's another <laughs> new story for another time. Um, let's let's move on. Time is ticking away. Move on. Time is ticking away. Oh my god, you're so depressed today. I <laughs> want to talk about uh, Delta Lakes. We talked a lot about data lakes, and now we're going to talk about Delta Lakes. And the reason I want to talk about this is that there was a Databricks blog from 24th of April, where Databricks announced that they open-sourced Delta Lake. Now, to be honest, I hadn't really looked at Delta Lake as something that I needed in my life. So when this came out, I mm-hmm. kind of dug into it. And uh, I kind of wanted to bring this up and talk about it because when I, when I was reading this, I'm not entirely sure if I understand what this thing is supposed to be doing. And while every project has its merit and uh, something new is maybe good or bad, but at least it's new and it's good to look at things and things should change, things like logos... <laughs> but in this case, I'm really wondering how this could actually work in a, in a in a real data lake environment where a data lake is more than just a bunch of disks that store data, but just having an environment of all your analytics and data storage needs being served. So if we look at the release here, what they say is that the Delta Lake is a storage layer that brings reliability to data lakes built on HDFS and cloud storage by providing asset transactions through optimistic concurrency control between writes and snapshot isolation. I'm going to stop there. Now, the first thing I really want to bring up here is, come on, guys, it brings reality to the data lake. So you're saying data lakes aren't reliable? Don't do that. <laughs> Databricks, you're good guys. Don't go there. Don't let your marketing team do this. Uh, data lakes are reliable. Well, they're as reliable as you make them, basically. And this yeah, is not going to change it. Uh, I can make a very safe car. I can make a very unsafe car. And I can drive very safely with an unsafe car. And I can drive very unsafely with a very safe car. So it's all in how you, how you apply the thing, how you do the thing. So just a, a sentence like this shouldn't be a part of a blog about something technical. Anyway... They're going to do this, uh, they say, built on HDFS and cloud storage. Now, this is a change because uh, actually Delta Lake isn't new. It's being uh, open source now, but it actually dates from 2017-ish, yeah. where it was yeah. uh, part of the Databricks uh, service offering. Uh, as people probably know, Databricks has a SaaS appliance that's running in uh, Amazon and Azure at the moment. I don't think they run on Google Cloud, but I haven't checked. So apologies if I uh, didn't, uh, if I'm wrong there. But when they released it there, it only ran on top of the uh, cloud storage that was uh, available in those public clouds. So a change here is that it now also runs on HDFS. Um, Reading through the rest of the day, the, the information which we're going to get to in a second, it doesn't surprise me that much, but that's a difference now. 
Second thing is they're providing asset transactions uh, through optimistic on currency control. And that's how they say that this becomes a more reliable thing. Now, asset is good, I guess. Asset, we all want to be asset. Uh, we all want to be transactional and make sure that when I write something, it's all written there and stuff like that. The problem I have here is I wonder how they do this. Because it was very hard to actually figure out what Delta Lake actually is. And uh, thanks to open source and the fact that it's now all on GitHub. And for people mm. who want to know, it's on github.com slash delta-io. It's all been dumped there. And basically, and again, this is what I'm taking out of the information here. I haven't really found anybody do a full how do you call that uh, unboxing of this breakdown product or, breakdown yeah. of it but it looks like basically they're saving all the data in a parquet format but attached to it they have a transaction log and this means that when you're using the API which is now available on GitHub in Spark to access the file and you tell your data IO module that you're doing the Delta Lake approach it'll use that transaction log to make sure that no transactions are running and if someone is running you will get a uh, exception back if uh, you for some reason transactions are complete uh, they're able to do something like that which I guess makes sense because a lot of data lakes are indeed multi-user. It's not like you have a thousand people running yeah. a data lake, perhaps, but you will have a couple of uh, a d- couple of dozen, perhaps, uh, data scientists running around with it. Now, in my experience, either each uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but when I look at how data scientists work, you can have three ways of working with it. Either it's a immutable read-only source, which each mm-hmm. data scientist kind of gulps up, puts in memory, and then does his thing, which means mm-hmm. there is no need for locking or acid or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Or it is an environment where people can write and read the, uh, whatever they want to do, and that's just chaos, which is something you shouldn't do. In those cases, yeah. usually the people will make shadow copies or have a, a way of yeah, still having an immutable source and Separate giving sandboxes, every, yeah, exactly, working spaces, like that. all that kind of stuff. And if that's not possible, usually they dump it in a Hive, HBase, something like a database engine that can do mm-hmm. all this for you. And the good part about that is that at that point, it's just—it's not just a file format. There's actually an engine there that will enforce any access to that data will go through that engine and you can enforce your asset, concurrency, whatever, because you have a police guy there. Yeah. Now, looking at the Delta Lake, I have not found any kind of evidence that there is a engine checking, controlling that, or even doing any kind of access control for all I care. It's just a file, and if you choose to use the IO, the Delta Lake IO classes, then it will use that uh, transaction log and do its thing. But if you don't, it's just a parquet file. And actually, one of the fuck things about how can I migrate from a Delta Lake to something else is, well, it's just a parquet file, just copy the file. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think that I think you've actually just hit on the piece that uh, is something that they have missed in some of their communication, which is, and again, this is this is my limited understanding based on mm-hmm. what I've read and understood so far, is that actually, if you don't use the the libraries, the 
the um, Delta IO libraries, then you've basically completely bypassed all value of this entire exactly. endeavor. Um, and I, so I think they, they possibly need to kind of revisit that a little bit and actually put those more to the forefront and actually, because otherwise without that, as you say, there's, there's kind of, there's no real control over what you're doing. And in fact, I, I take, I take some issue with the, um, the, the initial, uh, link that we've got, the sort of open sourcing the, de- the Delta Lake, uh, post, because it also talks about a few other things that like, to me are completely irrelevant. Yeah. I didn't want to go into those because, uh... well, I'm afraid, uh, you <laughs> okay. invited me to talk about it. So yep, we're yep. going there. So, so they usually tell me I'm too ranty. Make, so. <laughs> I know, I know, but this time it's my, my chance to wear the ranty pants. Um, I hope you washed them. So this time, <laughs> the, 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 this point, like the data quality in data lakes is low. I mean, says who? Says, and it goes on to talk about the dumping of unstructured data in a data lake is easy, but it comes at the cost of data quality. I mean, we've we've talked about this a million times. Don't just randomly dump unstructured data without any sort of guidelines. Like, why would you do that anyway? It's a, it's a daft yeah. point. It makes no sense. And... More, more to that. Not only is that a daft point that makes no sense to even bring up, there is absolutely nothing at all whatsoever in the things provided by the Delta Lake Delta that prevents is, me from just yeah. randomly dumping unstructured data in anyway. So i i i, I don't like I don't like this post. Basically, is uh, <laughs> I don't think it. I don't think it does a very good job of showcasing the aspects of the, the Delta Lake and the differences that it brings to the table the and the reasons why it needs to exist. Um, I think there probably is something behind there that is good and useful and, and could well be interesting. But either I'm not smart enough, which is very, very likely, mm-hmm. or they've not done a good job in really presenting why this is useful this way and and. The, the essentially the value proposition behind it. I, yeah. I don't know. I, I it's it's missing something for me. And uh, as I say, could be my limited understanding, but no. it something's not hitting home here. I mean, I had the same things. That's why when I read this press release, I started digging deeper and figuring out. Okay, this doesn't make sense. What am I missing? So I started digging, mm. digging, digging, and nothing really came up. I mean, this is. Uh, I, I would almost say I'm not saying it. I would almost say that this got open sourced because there's no pickup because nobody really sees why this is so important, and and also this only works if you're only doing Spark. Yeah, because the moment but, you're which, using anything which, else, yeah, which makes sense apply. from from from, from a from a Databricks perspective because yeah, that but, is their baby. But then but, it's not yeah. a data lake thing; it's a Spark thing. Yeah, because data lake yeah. cause they, for me, data lake means variable variability and a, a heterogeneous environment with a lot of different things all having to work together. Yeah, this is not what works. <laughs> I'm not sure how to say this. It's yeah. Um, I mean, I would I would love to understand more, and I'm sure I am. I must be missing something. So, so, if someone from 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 uh, Databricks would love to come on and, and educate us and the audience, then that would be wonderful. I'd welcome the chance. I mean, yeah, we have definitely. reached out to Databricks before, but for some reason, it's not happening to get anybody from them on the show. 
But mm-hmm. uh, from our point of view, uh, we are happy to to talk about. I mean, they're doing some good stuff. Spark is good stuff, and Databricks is a big yeah. driving f- uh, factor behind Spark. So hey, all kudos to them for that. But sometimes yeah. do things like this, and this is not something that's under the radar. Because a couple of months ago, they did a big road tri- road show, road trip kind of thing where Delta Lake was one of the. This is coming soon, and will be very much important. So it was more than a couple of months ago. But um, yeah, it's I don't know. And doing this kind of press releases then when you open source it by adding stuff that doesn't really matter and is a bit inflammatory and maybe even, dare I say it wrong, doesn't help. Yeah. Uh, I, one final point that I would make is... Well, the final one then. The, the, I think one thing that this is missing for me is... Creating a dumping code on GitHub is one thing, and yes, that technically, I guess, makes it open source. But open source is not interesting in its own. It's not interesting in a vacuum, not really. What's interesting is building an open community, and yep. maybe it's too early for that, but I don't... It shouldn't be. I mean, Databricks has a big community already. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't yet see any real desires to, to to form a real community around it. I mean the the mailing list is closed unless you're a member. Um you know you have to request to sign up to, to the Slack channels. I just mm-hmm. uh, uh yeah. Yeah. It's not Apache, right? It's just I mean I, I heard no, a, and that's that's fine. Not everything has to be Apache. Like, no but if it was Apache then a, there should have been a community already. That's what I meant basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, I heard a nice phrase uh, a couple of weeks ago where somebody said it's not open source, it's open code. Yeah, which is a nice distinction, I guess. I mean, the code is open; you can read it, you can look at it, you can pick it up and do something with it. But that's it. There's nothing more yeah. open. So open source is much more than having your code in the open, as you say. There's a community part. There's the 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 the, the, the governance of the whole project, let's say, around it. And yeah, yeah. From what I see here, this is. Uh, but uh, oh well, I'm sure that uh, Amazon and Azure will do a lot of press releases on uh, how they can now do. Uh, Delta Lake on the on the public cloud, so it must be good. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I, I'm not going to argue that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, that's enough seriousness. Uh, get us get 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 us out of here with some visualization from a point where I never expected it to come. So, generating fractals with Postgres. I mean. How is how is this even a thing? <laughs> I mean, it's a wonderful thing, but 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 how or why or yeah yeah. Tell me about well, it. Tell me about uh, it. I thought you were going to take this one. I gave you this one to, to take as your own. No, but yeah, no, this is one it's, I found. It's you. And I found it specifically for Dave because Dave is our uh, resident visualization guru. <laughs> <laughs> And oh, it's uh, about a guy who first he starts with the fact with stating the fact that SQL is Turing complete. It's a Turing complete programming language, which I which never I really understood. I did, did not know. I didn't know. And he's not talking about Postgres here. He's saying he's saying SQL. Now there's different flavors of yeah. SQL out there, so I'm pretty sure there's one version of SQL that isn't <laughs> Turing complete. But apparently, yeah, but, I yeah. believe he's. I'm pretty sure he knows more about it than I do. I don't even know who the, who this is. To be honest, I didn't look up the name of the person who posted this. This is so bad of me. 
Can I find his name? Uh, Michael so Malice. Michael, Michael Malice. Michael Malice. It's a wonderful post. And he explains about the Turing completeness. That's great. And he needs that because if you want to make fractals, you, may, you need to make things like loops, right? Because a fractal yeah. is a recurring pattern. So you need to have loops in there. And being able to loop something is a part of a natural, uh, normal algorithm. And a Turing complete language is a language that can do any algorithm you can design, even if it makes no sense. I always said to people that SQL was not a programming language because you didn't have things like if tests and loops and stuff like that. But apparently I have been wrong all these years because in this post, he gives us the code and the visualizations where he actually makes things like the Sapinski triangle, the Mandelbrot um, uh, fractal. Mandelbrot set, yeah. It's, it's, it's beautiful. It's, but to be honest... Yes, it's written in SQL, but this is not SQL as SQL should be. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's okay. Okay, let let's be clear. It's a hideous abuse of SQL, <laughs> but I don't care because it produces fractals, and I'm fine with that. It's it's wonderful. I mean, he uses something as well. He talked about at the beginning a special kind of table which he creates as a from a function. I forget the uh, name. Common table expressions. Yes, the common table expressions is uh, the backbone of this whole thing where you just make virtual tables, logical tables to just play around with and make these wonderful uh, visualizations. Uh, yeah. So obviously, <laughs> link link is in the show notes so you can see the visualizations. But the other thing that I'd, I'd like to give a, a quick call out to is the fact that uh, the very first uh, sentence of his of, of the post, <laughs> that, again, we'll link to, is that this is based on half of the talk that he gave at. And I was I was asking Jon at the start when he was talking when he was introducing this article to me. Um, so it's 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 a talk that he gave at a conference called now. As you look at it, it's exclamation mark, exclamation mark, con. And I said, oh, is that bang, bang, con? Because, you know. And I said, no, being, that can't be. Being an old school kind of Unix person at heart, <laughs> that's what it means to me. And it is. It is actually a conference called Bang, Bang, Con. And I, I now I now want to go there. But unfortunately, I'm going to miss it because as we record today, it's actually happening tomorrow uh, in New York, and I'm not going to be there. So I'm I'm very disappointed. But this was this was shown. Oh, this was uh, presented at Bang Bang Con West, um, which was uh, back in uh, back in uh, March. And uh, Bang Bang Con in New York is happening uh, right now. So yeah, maybe we'll get to cover Bang Bang Con one day. Um, you know, have you said my Bang life Bang will Con be quite enough by now? That. No, no. You, one of the rules of Bang Bang Con <laughs> is that you can't say enough Bang Bang Con. Anyway, it's the bang, joy, bang, con, excitement, if, if and surprise of computing. <laughs> exactly, bang bang con! If you're out there, uh, and uh, we'd love to, we'd love to talk to you. See, see, uh, people from bang bang con. If you really have impressed Dave, you will see this by the appearance of a LinkedIn post, which he does very oh, rarely. We'll yeah, see that's if, true. We'll see they're, if you they're actually... like they're like Bigfoot sightings, really. And I, even when they happen, people aren't quite sure whether they actually happened or not. <laughs> yeah, and then they disappear, and there's no trace to be found anymore. That's exactly right. It's crossed between a Bigfoot sighting and the Loch Ness Monster. Anyway, yes. So, um, yeah, great work. Um, yeah, great work, Michael. Love it. Absolutely love it. And, uh, yeah, bang, bang, con. You need to go. <laughs> All right. Are you quite finished with bang, bang, con now? Um, bang, bang, con. Yeah, I'm done now. Okay, then I think we did quite enough silliness for for this week, don't you think? <laughs> I think so. I think so. 
before we leave, I just want to just do a, another uh, talk a little. Is it, is it a shout out if I'm talking about ourselves? I guess it is. I want to yeah, mention our Patreon page again. We've launched it the last episode. Uh, it's still up there. If you want to help us keep this up, help us uh, sustain this podcast and even make it better in the future. Please go to Patreon and become a patron. Give us one or two or even more dollars. And we'll be very, very grateful for your assistance and help. We won't be doing a a Patreon slot every single episode, but it's still very new. So I did want to do it again one time more. And by this, it's done. So unless anything else from you. Bang, bang, con. And that is definitely all the time we have for today. (laughs) You can support this podcast by becoming a patron. Every contribution helps. Please go to www.rollingoffer.org for a link to our Patreon page. I've also put a YouTube link on there as well. And you can get a lot more information about this podcast. You can follow us on Twitter using the at Hadoopcast tag. And you send uh, all your feedback to podcast at roaringoffer.org. Until next time, my name is Jon. Bang, bang, cod. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Goodbye. See you then. Bang, bang, con. <laughs> Stop saying that. <laughs>